0: Hey, this is Tom McGivern, and this is the Long Island Housing Podcast, where we give housing market information, tips, and advice to Long Island homeowners and home buyers. Welcome to episode 37. My name is Tom McGivern. This is the Long Island Housing Podcast. I'm super excited to go over today's content. Everything you need to know about estate sales. If you've never listened to this podcast before, this is where I provide you the information you need to make the absolute best decisions possible for you and your family when it comes to real estate. Today's podcast is going to be about estate sales, everything you need to know on the basic level if you are handling an estate sale. So today's guest is none other than Steve Ciliato. He's an attorney, a senior attorney with significant experience in handling sophisticated and complex commercial and residential real estate transactions as well as acquisitions and dispositions of businesses. Steve often represents other attorneys on their real estate matters. He also trains brokers with regard to emerging issues in the area of real estate. That's why he's on this podcast today. And he's a a, a good friend of mine. Steve, what's up?
1: Hey, Tom. Good morning, man. Hope you and the family are doing well.
0: Yeah, man. Always, always. Um, All right. So that introduction basically, you know, Tell me, tell us, um, well, first, how do people reach you? That would be the first thing. And then second, right after that, I want you to just mention, you know, like how many off the top of your head, how many transactions and and folks have you, uh, have you helped in your uh, career? Oh, God, the million dollar question right there. So I guess to answer
1: that question first, it's got to be thousands upon thousands at this point. very fortunate and blessed throughout my career to work with a lot of great people great brokers a lot of attorneys actually as you mentioned in the intro and uh, you know it's been it's got to be thousands upon thousands at this point helping people buy and sell and uh, move on with their dreams Um, best way to get in touch with us is you you can jump on our website law.com. you can give us a call in the office 631-878-4455 my extension is 151 and as always you can shoot me an email SMS at L I E E, A as an apple, T as an law.com.
0: Now, all that information is going to be also in the uh, description of this podcast, this podcast episode. Steve, I don't know if you know it or not, but uh, I included you as one of the attorney resources. I think I did. I, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but I created a buyer course. It's called actually the Ninja Buyer Courses. It's a two week buyer program. It takes uh, anybody who wants to sign up through this process of uh, you know how do you buy a house, how do you buy it smarter, you know, for the you know the right price and how do you deal with all that you know stuff that happens and how do you improve your search, all that kind of stuff. Anyways, in there, I have you in there as one of the attorneys to contact. I have two attorney, two attorneys. I want to give people two contacts. So you're one of the ones, man.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, Thanks so much for
0: thinking absolutely me. Happy to help
1: you and the clients at any
0: time. <laughs> all right, cool. So estate sales. Um now i to start with just questions. We're going to go through this as much as possible. But before we dive into this, some of those specific questions, I wanted to kind of give a definition for estate sales. Um, like what, if you were to say, what is an estate sale? What is it?
1: So an estate sale is very simply. When the record owner of the property uh, passes away, that property, dependent on a couple different factors, goes into their estate. And an estate sales, very simply, is the executor, and an executor is when a will has been probated, or the administrator, which is when there's no will and they do an administration of the estate, is appointed by the court to basically step in the shoes of the decedent, and then that person can actually sell the property. So there's not too many differences in an estate deal versus a regular deal. One of the biggest ones is obviously you have to get proper person to sign off on behalf of the decedent, because not just anyone can sign. And the other little unknown fact is the $500 credit that is normally given by sellers to opt out of making representations and warranties in the contract is not, uh, the, the executor is not obligated to give that credit, but they get the benefit of the law. So all fiduciaries are exempt from giving that credit.
0: Gotcha. Okay, that's important. A
1: lot of people don't realize that and don't understand that. So you, you get the benefit of it without having to give the credit. And it's a win-win for the estate.
0: Exactly. So what's the very first thing an executor or executrix, whatever should do when they are tasked with beginning the process of liquidating an estate?
1: So the first step is definitely to engage counsel who practices in that area and understands how the surrogate court works and the procedures and policies. You have to uh, submit the will, if there's a will, to the surrogate's court at, what, uh, at such time as the the judge will uh, appoint the nominated executor under the will. Once that executor is actually appointed, that's when they have the authority to carry on the affairs of the estate. So each estate is going to be different. Obviously, some estates are much smaller and some estates are much larger. So once you get appointed and you're able to start acting on behalf of the estate, you're going to want to speak with counsel on next steps. What do I do? Do I locate the asset? Can I distribute? And again, while the procedure is kind of the same There's going to be minor details with each estate depending on the size and the steps and the procedures. But as an executor, you want to be mindful because uh, there are times where you can have personal liability. So you do want to make sure you're speaking with counsel who understands and practices in that court
0: and can guide you through the proper process. All right, a couple of questions. So first of all, when you talk about um, the – personal personal uh, being personally liable i want you to think of an example um where that that could come up but even before that i had another uh question as you were talking um and i just i can't remember it. it just escapes me so give me give us that example maybe i'll think of the other thing it was something you said that triggered something sure so when a person passes
1: away creditors of that state if there are any have a certain amount of time to file a claim against
0: the estate creditors being creditors surrogate court on
1: notice that there's a creditor out there who may have an interest in this assets
0: so an example of creditor might be um, a car loan um, a uh, uh, bill right any kind of bill that you owe uh, it could be right things like that could be reverse mortgage it could be other things like that
1: yeah exactly any type of credit you know utilities if someone had a judgment against the decedent, anyone who can be in the capacity as a creditor. Gotcha. So what the executor needs or executrix need to be mindful of is if they disperse any of these estate assets prior to that period and then a creditor does file a claim and now there's not enough assets in the estate to address that claim, the executor could be personally liable. So what executors need to do and understand is they need to sit tight and wait the requisite period to allow the creditors to file any claims. And if the creditors miss the deadline, at that point, the executor can speak with counsel if it's safe to uh, start distributing the state assets. But in no way, shape, or form should that executor ever distribute the state assets prior to the deadline uh, because of
0: the personal liability they could incur. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um... And then the other th- I remember the other question, which was, uh, what kind of court is this? It, this is a state co- uh, court, right? So if you live in, let's say, Suffolk County, uh, could you use, or, or someone lives in Queens and you guys are located in Suffolk, could the person in Queens or Manhattan or wherever, upstate New York, could they use you? Or what kind of court is it? Who, who should, like what so attorney? Each county has their own surrogates court. And gotcha. the surrogates court is the court that is tasked with handling these matters.
1: Our firm can help executors of an estate in just about any county gotcha the estate it's probated or administered in the county where the decedent lived when they passed away right so you know a south county resident obviously south county but the practices are very common throughout the different counties so it's very easy to work with a client in nassau or the city uh despite you know us being located in suffolk
0: gotcha okay i want to make that point all right so <clears throat> You kind of went into a couple, like the first thing that they should do, which is obviously call counsel. And then you caught, you talked about some of the details. Um, is there anything specific? Like the first thing that I came to my mind was, and I I was going to ask this question, but I'll just jump right in as a comment, is they should get organized, right? Organized paperwork, right? Like you're hiring an attorney is one thing, but receiving all the person's mail, Going through all their documents, getting a copy of the deed, a copy of the survey, a, a certificate of occupancy, right? And of course, as a real estate agent, I can help with that by going, you know, down to the town using online uh, applications to acquire that for, for for folks. They don't have to go through the hassle. But would you would you recommend like get organized because the attorney can't handle everything. He doesn't handle the mail coming to the house, right? Especially
1: if the estate is a little bit more complex and has multiple assets. There could be a lot of moving parts. You don't want to miss deadlines. You don't want to forget about certain assets because you have to do an accounting of the estate with surrogates court. And you want to make sure all the the T's are crossed, the I's, and everything is taken care of properly. And like you said, working with an agent like yourself, who's actually hands-on and will help. That person get the CEOs, get the survey, get the documents that they're able to get is key because all too often the
0: executors on their own. Right. And they, and they might they need that guidance, they need that help. So working with
1: the right people is very, very important because that's what they're there for. They're there for you to lean on and guide you through the process and help you and jump in and, and and help you get what you need. So it's imperative to work with people like yourself who will help the client guide them through that time, which is difficult enough. But on top of it, now you're also dealing with the passing of a loved one. So it just compounds
0: the complexity of everything. Interesting. So let, 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 let's go backwards a little bit. So the person who is handling the actual, you know, the, the estate, the executor. Okay. Well, let me, let me back up before that. I am setting up my estate. I am going to write my will. I'm going to, you know, have a power of attorney or whatever the, these things that you, you you want to set up when you're when you're doing this. What, like, so who gets the copy of the will? How do I know that it gets to the to the right people so that when I pass away, they don't have to go rushing to find it or maybe find some mysterious attorney that has it. Like, how does that all get taken care of? So that that the executor finds so out every, you know
1: everyone has different procedures and policies in place. Some people leave their original will with the attorney who drafted it for them, some take the original will with them. So I'll give you an example of what my wife and I do and I think this is a pretty good plan of action for everyone. We've both created a list of our information for our financial institutions. Where our wills are, all of our assets so on and so forth. And we periodically update it and obviously we provide it to each other. God forbid one of us should pass. Yeah. The other person has a roadmap of everything, where the will is, what the accounts are, what assets there are, things like
0: that. That's huge. My, my, it's, it's, my, yeah, it's very important, but it makes again,
1: you're already dealing with the loss of a loved one, and now you're trying to scramble and find all these different documents and assets when if you have it on a piece of and you know where everything is, it's much, much easier
0: for that person, um, right.
1: And you need the original will to submit to the surrogate's court for probate. So that's always important to understand that you have that.
0: Under right, the original. My mom has what's called what she refers to uh fondly and often is the disaster file filed under yep. <laughs> under D in her uh, you know, fireproof box, you know. But yeah, uh yep. Yeah. So that's a good piece of advice for anybody who's might listen to this podcast to, you know, where they're actually planning ahead because no one likes to plan. No one, you know, I know people that they just don't want to have that conversation, but it's an important conversation to have and to set up and to deal with, you know, head on.
1: You hit it right on the head, Tom. It's very important to deal with and set up an event. And yes, it's a morbid conversation. And yes, you're basically planning for the demise of your own life, but you have to think about the alternative. So I have two little children. And if my wife and I didn't properly plan, what would happen to my kids and our assets and their college funds and all of that? So it's a conversation no one wants to have, but I can tell you from personal experience, having the conversation in advance and setting things up in advance makes things much easier, quicker, and cheaper than if you leave it to your loved ones after you pass. Right. So it's imperative; you have to have to do it. Again, no one wants to plan for their own death, and it's a morbid thing. But in the long run,
0: we're all ended up there. The right, action. <laughs> right, death and taxes. Right, two guarantees. That's it. Okay, so I, I need to ask this question because you know this is a personal question for me because I saw my family. Uh, I don't want to say struggle, but you know it was losing their uh, the heir to one of their. My my uncle's passed away, so my mom had to handle his his estate which was a large portion of it was uh, a a house that was left to him from my uh from my grandparents from her parents so there was a reverse mortgage on it and it turned everything turned out to be okay it was always a high priority for my uh my deceased uncle his name was joe joe marco and um he uh he's a great fisherman a long island legend in montauk for, for fishing but um he you know, had a reverse mortgage so it's a very personal topic for me. What do you suggest to uh, somebody if they, you know, they're handling that situation where there was a more a reverse mortgage on the house that has to be taken care of in the estate? Yeah, it's something you want to jump on right away because typical
1: provisions in a reverse mortgage is once the homeowner passes away, the bank could start foreclosing on it. Mm-hmm.
0: Now it's not something they're going to do day two, obviously. Right. But the quicker you jump on it, the
1: better because there could be default interest rates, there could be additional legal fees for the foreclosure. So it's something you want to get out ahead of
0: as quick as possible. One thing that a lot of people don't realize, when you
1: take the reverse, reverse mortgage, HUD also files a mortgage on the property. So there's actually two mortgages filed against the property. Now, you don't owe double the amount it's just a common thing that people don't understand is there's actually two mortgages filed against the property
0: so you look at it you go oh my goodness this is crazy had this happen right that's your initial reaction so it's good to be aware exactly. of
1: that exactly yeah, i've had a lot of clients who i tell that to they're completely shocked to understand that there's two mortgages filed against the property but you know it's imperative with these reverse mortgages to jump on them right away if you are going to keep the house in the family you're going to want to do some type of refinance and a transfer in connection with you know your estate mm. um if Sell the house, something you want to jump on right away, and try and move the house before these lenders uh, begin any default proceedings
0: against the, uh, the estate. So a big drawback, let's throw it out there, a big drawback to having the reverse mortgage is you have to know when you do that reverse mortgage that your family, that you're leaving your assets to, um, has you know the capability or the option to perhaps you know, refinance it to keep it in the family. So let's say it's a house that's been passed through your family, generations, like two generations, it's 100 years old. You, you really want to look at that from a different perspective before you sign paperwork for reverse. Nothing against reverse mortgages, right? But, hey, you want to take into consideration, what does my family have intentions and have that conversation ahead of time before you do the reverse, and the next thing you know, they don't have the means uh, to do anything about it and keep it in the family, and before you know it, it's sold. So if you have that affinity or connection to that piece of property, Something to think about. Yeah.
1: You you, pro, you know you hit it on the head and, and at the start of your comment. Proper planning is, is key. That's yeah. what you need to do across the board for these things. And, you know, I'll circle back to in the comment earlier where people don't like to because it's a morbid conversation, you're planning your demise, but whether it's your will, whether it's a reverse mortgage, whether it's any other planning Right. You really want it to be done in advance to save time, energy, and effort down the road. Um, and, you know, like you said, God forbid, you, the house goes into foreclosure and it was in the family for two or three generations. You don't want to lose that. You might want to keep it around. So right. something you just have to understand when you're getting involved in, be
0: proactive on, and make sure you handle it with the proper planning. Cool, man. Hey, um, that's going to basically wrap it up for me. Um, you answered basically the questions I wanted. We got out of this essentially call an attorney, right? Call an attorney ahead of time. And I, and this, I, listen, I didn't want to do this podcast to say, Hey, you know, uh, to get people to call you or me, it's more of, Hey, this is information. You do what you want with it. And if you wanted to call Steve, uh, and to have him, handle that'd be fantastic. You want to call me, uh, that and help you with, you know, selling a house. That's great. But having the information there, the basics are, Hey, call call an attorney. Okay. Plan ahead, and if you're an executor and you find yourself in this situation, you you need to organize and you need to call counsel. Bottom line. Oh, and one last question. Now, if the will, okay, if the will is left with an attorney, but you're the executor, do you have to use that attorney that the deceased left the will with? That's a good question.
1: No, you're free to choose whoever you would like. Okay,
0: fantastic. That's a great question right there, I just thought of.
1: One little tip I want to leave your listeners with before we head off for the day is if you do have an original will in your possession, please do not remove the staple from it. If you ever need to make copies, please leave the staple in. It's a little known fact, but when you remove a staple from an original will, it creates a very big issue. So if you are an executor and you come across a will or you have your own, whatever the case is, just leave it stapled make copies accordingly, and uh,
0: make sure you don't take a staple out. Now, that was gold right there. Come on. That that was so good. Okay. Hey, Steve, man, thank yeah, you so no, much. A little
1: tip and trick uh, you <laughs> know, of the trade.
0: So. Hey, listen, I gotta, uh, this, this is a preamble for tomorrow's webinar. at uh, I think it's at 630. If you go to com slash webinars, you'll be able to sign up there. Just put your email and name in, and then you'll get an email with the instructions to uh, join the, uh, the Zoom call. I look forward to doing that and seeing you there uh, on July 2nd. All right, Steve, oh, as always, my friend, thank you so much, and uh, I wish you all the best. And if for everybody listening out there, thank you for listening to the Long Island Housing Podcast. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Long Island Housing Podcast. If you want more information on where or how to find a house, go to tommcgivern.com slash search. If you want to access other platforms, including my social media, and also access other content, go to linktr.ee slash Tom It is the link in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Be kind. Be amazing.